Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 7-0 Forecast. The Carolina Panthers wrapped up their preseason this past week with a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 34-9 win. We'll give you our rundown and review on that game as well. Um, but mainly we'll be diving into around the league around the league news, excuse me, um, take a look at the 53-man roster projection in our eyes and also some, what some of the beat writers from the Carolina Panthers are also projecting and putting out there. Um, but we'll uh, start off with the uh, Steelers rundown after we look at some news from around the league. Wes is uh, joining me this week. Uh, Corey couldn't make it, but uh, Wes, how are you doing, man? Good. Uh, it was exciting to watch the first teamers get a full half against the Steelers on Friday night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, did a little bit of rewatching yesterday as well and just took, took some more notes. Had had some family around when I was watching the game, so it was tougher to uh, kind of get the the – look at the matchups and stuff because there was we were we were doing a lot more talking and and stuff so it was a, a really uh fun game to watch and i'm excited for excited for the season especially after watching that defense yeah i mean the defense definitely impressed it was uh, nice to see the first team offense and defense out there with extended plays extended time on the field for our first chance this preseason um, i was at work friday night so i didn't get a chance to catch all that much i had to sneak away and watch a little bit when i could but i was uh watching it this morning and definitely took some notes, like you said, and just came away with just again, like how, how impressive the, the defensive looked. Um, you know, I thought Sam did well, you know, he, he kind of looked a little uncomfortable early on, but then he settled in nicely. And I think he finished with 19 for 25 with two touchdowns um, offensive line, you know, pretty much what we expected. Some good, some bad. It's going to be a work in progress until this thing gets sorted out, but uh, we'll, we'll save a little bit of that for later. Um, so let's start talking about some news from around the league. Um, I'll knock out three of these, and then Wes will take three of the others. Um, but Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins went down yesterday in the preseason finale. Uh, unfortunately, he's tore his ACL. He'll be out for the rest of the year. So that job looks like it'll be Gus Edwards, or they may bring in somebody like a Todd Gurley, who they worked out this post, or, or excuse me, this uh, offseason. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars traded Gardner Minshew to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles for a conditional six-round pick. I do believe that turns into a fifth round if he meets a certain percentage of snaps for this upcoming season. And then uh, our Carolina Panthers uh, week one opponent, the New York Jets, made a move this week, which we talked about on last week's episode, that they were looking for uh, defensive line help uh, to replace Carl Lawson's injury. Uh, so they traded for Shaq Lawson, defensive end from the Houston Texans for a 2022 six-round pick. 
All right. Um, the one that doesn't make sense to me, and and you you hate to see Dobbins go down with an injury, and and that's what sucks about the preseason. Uh, but the one that doesn't make sense to me is Minshew. Uh, you've got a rookie young quarterback. Minshew is is a known commodity. He he probably doesn't have long term starter upside in this league, no matter where he's at. So why give up that known commodity to help your rookie quarterback? to be there if, if he has issues, to be there if he has problems, to be to step in if need be for the conditional sixth, fifth, whatever. I don't quite get that one, but it, the writing's been on the wall there for the whole time. But Ur, Urban, Urban's going to Urban. I don't, I don't quite get that one, but what, what, whatever. Jacksonville. I mean, they had a quote-unquote quarterback competition, but nobody really expected no. Urban to actually you know, take that seriously. I mean – they, they traded Minshew. They got something in return for him. I believe they took him in the sixth round when they drafted him. So, I mean, you basically get back the pick that you gave up for him. I mean, I get why Philly would do it because it's insurance in case something happens to Jalen Hurts. But like you said, I don't really get the move on Jackson's part other than them just trying to recoup some type of asset for the guy. So, Yeah, but moving on to some other notes and news around the league. Deshaun Watson, there was a report that came out this week. There's been a lot of talk about him this week. Um, PFF wrote an article saying that talks were heating up. There's, there's been some people saying that it's getting closer with Miami and, and Carolina was, was mentioned, um, by PFF in, in the same article, but, uh, a guy that I was unfamiliar with Armando, um, his last name escapes me, but he looked to be a, uh, Dolphins beat writer came out and said that, the preferred landing spots for Deshaun are Miami and Carolina. So that was definitely newsworthy, noteworthy, especially for the Panthers. But at the end of the day, I think it's, it's going to be a really hard to see him get dealt and it's probably smoke being generated by uh, Houston or, or Deshaun's camp trying to make something happen. Uh, But We'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on, T.Y. Hilton's out multiple weeks due to a neck back issue. Uh, T.Y.'s already already kind of lost a step, and, and, and it's definitely getting getting up there. So things like that are are, are concerning long term for somebody in 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 the latter stages of his career. So that's something to pay attention for. And in the NFC South, uh, we see Jameis Winston is named the Saints starter. So that that has a big impact on us and, and what happens in the division. So thoughts on those, Matt? Yeah. To touch on the Deshaun thing, you're right. It's gotta be stuff coming out from Houston because do they necessarily want to pay somebody, you know, tens of millions of dollars to sit on the bench and not play this season? No. Um, They're trying to push this out there, I guess, to try to not have to lower their uh, asking price and also not pay them, pay a player to sit on the bench. Um, I don't know. Nothing's going to get done before the season, in my opinion. Even if it does, that's when I think the league steps in and puts him on the, you know, uh, on the commissioner's list. He, you know, he's not going to play this year, at least not till this stuff sets out. Um, you know, it was it's interesting the report that came out with him preferring to play in Miami or Carolina. It's the two teams that have been linked to him the most this offseason. I know Philly was kind of a third, but you know that seemed to have kind of you know talks have kind of seemed to. Um, I guess, subside with them. I don't know. Real um, convenient. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Sean stuff, it's not going to go anywhere. He's going to get dealt. 
but to trade three first round picks and two second round picks for a guy when you don't know when he's going to be able to play again. Um, I mean, it's tough. I, I get it from us. I mean, we're, we've been linked to him for a while. We've talked about this for months. I mean, since before the draft. Um, but you just can't make that move right now when you don't know how all this is going to sort out. And, you know, we don't know how things are going to shake out with Sam. Uh, we've made a commitment to him. We at least want to see it through. We're not on the hook for a bunch of money. So say this year doesn't go as planned and they don't like what they see on there. I mean, and you can circle back around to the Deshaun thing if uh, he's not moved before them. Um, yeah, and – I saw somebody mention something about trying to figure out a way to make the, the Deshaun stuff um, conditional picks based on outcome, discipline, games played. You, you, can, you can structure the deal. You can get creative if, if, if a deal were to happen because um, even if it's not based on discipline, if, if, if you base it on games played, if, he, if there is discipline and legal issues, there's going to be less games played. So um, – Something that you, if a deal were to get done, I think that that Houston would have to accept condition conditionals in in some of these for some of these picks. I, I just don't see how otherwise it gets done. Yeah, and that's I think any deal that does get done is I mean regardless while the situation is ongoing, you're definitely going to see conditional happens. I mean snap counts, whatever. Um, you just have to protect yourself if you're going to make that deal. And, and then to touch on the, the T.Y. thing, he, he's 32. He, he kind of lost a step last year. You know, you, his numbers were down, even with Phillip Rivers. I, I, I mean, if anything, this is a good thing for Michael Pittman. I mean, he's going to get more targets early on. He's going to try to move into that number one role. And then to touch on the Jameis thing, that's probably the, the best thing they could have done. I mean, if they rolled out Taysom Hill week one, I just don't know how you take that seriously, especially with no Michael Thomas. This is a, I mean, it's a good thing for Alvin Kamara and you know, anybody who has him in any fantasy leagues. He's just going to get fed. They lost Adam Troutman to an injury. Uh, so basically, it's going to be Juwan Johnson at tight end, Marquez Callaway at receiver, and Kamara. That's really about it. So, yeah. Uh, you, you may end up seeing Kamara get split out at, at slot and Latavius in, in the backfield, some yeah. too, with, with that lack of depth there. So that's definitely something that for us to watch in week two. If I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, um, do they come so, to uh, to Charlotte and to uh, to touch on that Latavius thing? I've seen a lot of reports that Tony Jones may end up beating him out for the number two spot. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean Latavius could be one of those guys that are cut. I don't know how that would affect cap and you know what they're. He's on the got a for. fairly decent cap number, if I remember correctly, somewhere in the six seven million range. Yep, they were because I know that he was one of the guys that was mentioned about them cutting to get below the cap. So. Mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see how it shakes out Jameis out here with his lasik actually getting a chance they they can't keep that Taysom deal on the books now can they they've got that they've got to cut him right i mean i don't see how you justify paying somebody 20 some million dollars to be your backup i mean I, I mean i get it it's not guaranteed they can cut him at any point in time and it goes off the books but do you want to carry that throughout the season or they'll just wait till next offseason if Jameis looks all right and just put that money towards his deal. That's probably what they do at this point. They won't. I, I, I don't see him cutting him pre, before this season or or when the cuts come around. So the, he's the insurance policy this year. If Jameis wins wins the future quarterback job, then he's gone. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, let's move into the uh, Steelers game. So Panthers won 34 to nine uh, over the Pittsburgh Steelers last Friday night. Sam Darnold made his, I guess you want to call it, uh, first full debut because uh, one series the week before really you, you couldn't get a good gauge on it. So Sam played a half, the starters played a half. Um, Sam ended up going 19 for 25 for 162 yards and two touchdowns. One of those was to Terrace Marshall, Wes, um, and the other one was to Robbie Anderson, uh, his good old buddy. Um, but uh, DJ Moore led the way with six catches for 48 yards. Terrace Marshall, three catches for 43 yards. Uh, Dan Arnold got involved with three catches for 25 yards. Spencer Brown ended up leading the team in rushing, 11 carries for 57 yards. And uh, our guy, uh, Chuba, got the start. Christian did not play. He was the only starter to not play. Got 10 carries for 35 yards and still continues to impress. Um, Wes, I mean, what is your takeaways, at least just – in general here, what is the uh, – who, who stood out to you the most, I guess, uh, looking back on this game? I'll start with Sam, and I'll say when I watched it live, um, not really paying a ton of attention, I didn't think he looked very comfortable in the pocket. I think it, it something I said I was watching for uh, a, a few episodes ago and, and have been watching is his feet, um, but they seemed overactive a little bit. Uh, and, I, and I know they touched on that at the booth, and, and it, it was – it wasn't quite the happy feet that Steve said, in my opinion, um, but they just seemed a little overactive, even on just like checkdowns. So, but rewatching it, when he had time, I mean, he was efficient. He looked good. the The throws were what they needed to be. It wasn't. He didn't make any special throws, but he didn't. He didn't make any mistakes on those throws. the The issues came when he didn't have time, um, and a, Sands one miss to Terrace, the, the post over the middle. He had Terrace probably for a touchdown. Um, and Terrace had his man beat. All he had to do was drop it in the bucket between uh, the nickel and the, the safety. And Terrace probably walks in for a touchdown. So that's the one miss that I saw, that I saw in my rewatch that really hurt without pressure. The rest of the misses came with pressure. Um, we can talk about the line a little bit after this, but the, yeah, just with Sam, um, he did what I needed to see out of him in, in, in a full half of football. Yeah. The terrorist play that you're talking about, I think that was second down. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know that drive ended on fourth down, but I was looking back at it. I watched it again this morning. I was happy that he did miss high because if he missed low, then it was definitely going to be picked. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, Terrace could have walked in for, for six on that. Um, you're right. Sam didn't look comfortable early on. And even later when he settled in, his feet were moving a lot, but I liked what I saw. I mean, there was a lot of routes that were called for the wide receivers um, that were just simple out routes. And, you know, he, he hit them right on the money. And those were plays last year where Teddy didn't and those were the things that Teddy was supposed to be supposed to be good at the six to seven yard out routes those are things that are prevalent in Brady's offense you know to open up the the deep shots but I I liked um, overall what he did Uh, he got rid of the ball pretty quick I know it's an offensive design so he didn't allow a lot of the pressure to get there like I said we'll talk about the offensive line and what we saw um, here in just a minute but Overall, I, I was happy with, with Sam's performance. Um, you know, the touchdown to to Robbie, um, you know, they still have their chemistry. You know, it was right where it needed to be. 
I know the Steelers didn't play their starters, but still, I mean, those are things that you want to see, just being able to repeat that and do that often. And then the, the touchdown to Terrace, I mean, Terrace just took that out. And I was happy that the offensive line actually got out there and paved the way for him. You know, they actually blocked the guys. Um, that was just, it was good to see the effort. Yeah, the, the touchdown to Terrace, that was all Terrace after the catch, but the touchdown to Robbie, that was perfect, perfect back shoulder throw. Um, so that's something you see with their chemistry. Right, and Terrace is just going to beast people out of the slot this year. Um, Adam Levison, who uh, writes with Evan Silver for Establish the Run, he released the numbers for the Panthers receivers this week, and he got 17 snaps out of the slot. I mean, there's going to be not a lot of nickels that can cover 6-3 with his uh, physical tools out of the slot. I mean, it's we were coming into the season, we thought, hey, is it going to be David Moore? Is it going to be Terrace? You know, what's going to happen? And Terrace has just ran away with this number three spot. Yep. So moving on to the receivers, tight ends, running backs, the skills positions from that game. One thing that really stood out to me is just DJ looking like DJ. Those the you talked about those quick out routes, the the he just for lack of a better term, eight on those on those that I mean all day long he did whatever he wanted to with those um continually knocking off five to ten yards whenever we needed it looking his way he just beat his man every single time and that's what DJ's been good at the and I'll say I'll I'll, to beat a dead horse that has never been anything that we have had an issue with that I've had an issue with DJ it's it's the 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 touchdowns and, and getting in the end zone and that's not what this we weren't looking for that in the preseason that 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 they were just moving on. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to get at there, but uh DJ looked like DJ, just his normal self. Yeah, I, I get what you're talking about as far as the routes he he typically runs. Um there's just not we don't really take a lot of a lot of uh, long shots to him. Um he's more of a gonna get yards after the catch. So but I, I get what you're saying on that. Um, going back, circling back to the Sam thing, and just since we're on the wide receivers now, I did like the way that he tacked between the hashes. Uh, he had a, a couple balls to Dan Arnold, some to Robbie. Robbie had a good route um, on the one where he faked it out and then cut it back inside. Uh, got open for, I think, an eight- or nine-yard completion. But those are things that you, know, you want to see. Like he's talking about, the, the Robbie touchdown was was on the money. Um I think that we realize that Ian Thomas is probably going to be more of a blocking tight end in this offense. Um, they're going to do a lot of two tight end sets. And so you'll see Ian and Dan on the field at the same time, but Arnold, when it comes to blocking, you're just not going to expect much out of him. He's just going to basically going to be you know, that extra wide receiver threat. Um, I think the one thing that I'm worried about, or at least watching it is, and I've mentioned this all throughout the preseason is that I'm concerned about the run blocking. I know Chuba's playmaking has kind of been prevalent. It's kind of made up for that. And when CMC gets out there, it's going to make up for it even more. But we're just not getting a lot of leverage when it comes to the run game. And so far, it just hasn't really bit us in the ass. But I know that that time's going to come. I mean, I would have liked to see our line against the Pittsburgh starters because um, Elfline whiffed on a couple blocks, uh, just wasn't getting any leverage in the run game. I think he honestly – in my opinion, looked the worst at all. I know Paradis had a bad game as well, and you can talk some on that. But these two just – that left side is is a mess. And it, it's well, sad when, when, when Irving had a, quote-unquote, good game and, and Elfline looked just 
horrendous. And the Irving game, good game that that you mentioned is is more so in comparison than than just relatively a good game. Yeah, that there were a few bright spots. There was one play in particular in the first or second drive. I can't remember. Um, I, I think Sam kind of had a hard a hard count to check the blitz. Irving noticed the at the top left they they were going to be coming with the blitz. Called it out. Elf he he slid out, picked up that that man. Elf picked up his his man, the guy the guy directly across from him, and paired to slid over, and and they picked it up. That was that was a great great notice by Irving. That's what he's supposed to do, obviously. But to be able to say just on the basic to 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 get excited about him doing the basic part of his job and picking up a blitz like that, that's saying a lot, I guess. But but I did notice that one. There were some plays where Irving did miss pretty badly too but it it wasn't as bad as as paradis and elf were just getting blown away and there was one one in particular a, a, a bull rush up the middle where paradis just got destroyed um that caused one of sam's um i can't remember if that was that that wasn't the fumble play because the fumble play was irving but um just bull rush up the middle they got pressure on sam and and we couldn't make anything happen I will say, you know, to the offensive line's credit is that we did improve this week as far as false starts go. Um, penalties have played us pretty much all preseason, and, and this was relatively a, a pretty clean game on both sides of the ball for us. So I was happy about that. I mean, so they did do some good things there. I mean, Johnny Miller had a had a heck of a day. Brady and Deontay continue to impress. I know Deontay had that uh, great pass re- uh, protection rep that has kind of been circulating around where he just mauls uh, the uh, defensive line. It's um, I don't know. This this coaching staff's going to have some some tough decisions going forward, and I don't know how they're going to be able to keep Deontay and Brady off the field for all that long going into the season. I, I know the talent is clearly there with Deontay, and the talent's there with Brady. I, I know Deontay is going to be more of a project than Brady is, but uh, man, I, I when he gets into week five, week six, I just don't know how you can necessarily keep Deontay Brown off the field unless you just don't want to move him to the left side. My only concern is with how bad Paradis looked and, and Elf being probably the other worst. Those are your two centers because it doesn't look like Tecklenburg is going to make this roster. So you're, you're rolling with Elf line as your backup center and your starting center has been relatively bad. That the guy that we kind of wrote in pin into that center spot because he is getting paid real money. He is the, the only guy there he's a veteran that's what he was brought in to do but I'm concerned whereas before I thought center right guard right tackle is going to be fine thought I'm now concerned about center just as much as I am that left side and that's you don't want three question marks on the offensive line you just don't so the only people that I'm confident in right now are Miller and Moten yeah and we've been saying that since day one but I, I did notice it was uh, interesting that Trent Scott was playing well into the fourth quarter uh, the other night. So it looks like Brady might have passed him on the depth chart, which, I mean, if you've been watching the team you know, this preseason, you should not be surprised about that because, honestly, Brady should be our starting right tackle if we had any say in it. But we're going to see how things work out. we got two weeks until the season opener. So some jobs maybe still to be won, but it looks like – we, what we've been talking about, following the money. Looks like it's going to be Irving, Elfline, Paradis, Miller, Moten to open up the offensive line come week one. It's a terrible that's, way to do it. That's that's just 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not quite Ron-esque because Ron was just followed the veteran, but it's, it just reminds me of that. And, and just, it's not what I expected because I do think that rule is such a, um, a lover of developing these guys and to yeah. be able to look at the talent of these young guys and say, no, the, this is the future. And to look at them and say, they're better and we're going to continue to develop them. Let's get them in the lineup now. And that's, that's, I, I, I said from the, we, we said from the start and, and that it would be the, the, the money guys, but uh, in my, somewhere deep down, I was kind of hoping that rule would, would uh, surprise me. Yeah. I think we all were. I don't, I mean, we've been lucky so far and we were lucky this past week where Sam got the ball out quickly. So he wasn't having to deal with a lot of pressure because there were a couple where things could have went really bad, really quick. If he had just held on the ball for, you know, a second more, but I guess you can say that about pretty much all of football. I just, Seeing Elfline just really struggle against backups out there, that just wasn't really promising for me. I like you said, Irving had a had a decent day for him, um, by all means, but I don't know. This is going to be an issue that plagues us for the for the first half of the season, and that's not good because the first quarter of our season is the soft. We should get to a, a extremely good start, and I don't know. I'm just. Maybe an injury happens. I, I hope not. And they have to – that kind of forces their hands, but we'll see see how it goes. But as of now, it looks like that's what we're going to be rolling with week one. But shifting to the other side of the ball, let's talk a little bit about this defense and how it continues to impress. Um, we've said for weeks now, even before um, the, the offseason has even started, about how, how high our expectations are for this defense and how we expect them to be a, a top ten unit in the National Football League this year. And man, um, did they look good with the, that Derek Brown uh, run stuff to start the game, the JC pass breakup, the Dante tackle. And we'll talk about Dante's improvement because he led the team in tackles this week. And if you've been following the team for a while and following Dante, you, you know that tackling's kind of been his one thing. Um, he just has been outmanned and outphysical by a lot of receivers so far in his time during the league and just that inconsistency. But to see him out there, uh, it looked night and day. Um, and, and Brian Burns just continues to impress. I mean, he got double teamed several times. Um, Frankie Lufu, he's good. I mean, man, I mean, I don't know what the Jets were thinking letting him go, but he was our great highest graded um, defender this this actual this preseason. So we'll touch on a couple of these more. But uh, Wes, um, what are your thoughts on how that defense looked uh, last Friday? Yeah, um, the DB run stuff on that first possession. That just watching that that was just textbook and perfect. And, and if he can evolve even more and, and become just that elite interior defensive lineman that we think he can be, that's just huge for the, for allowing the rest of that, the, those pass rushers to, to be who they are. Fox, Morgan Fox was able to get consistent pressure. Um, so as much as we like YGM, I, I, I Fox has done nothing in my eyes to, to lose that starting job. And, and YGM will be great. will be great coming in for a, a change of pace or for fresh legs. And then, like you said, Burns, that he consistently got pressure. The pick was just, that was, that was great. Love to see that coming out of him. And then that gives us him being able to drop back like that um, gives us a lot of flexibility in and we can talk about this a little bit, but especially with the the lack of linebacker depth, it just gives us a lot more flexibility with what we can do. Yeah, we I know we mentioned it before we came on and started recording, but 
I think one of the things that we'll talk about when we get to the 53-man projection is that they're okay with cutting a couple linebackers because they know that they can potentially move Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick uh, in some of those formations to, to line them up at linebacker. So I think that that kind of helps a little bit. And our depth is just so strong at, at defensive line. I mean, and I saw this week, I think our average speed on defense is like a 4.740. So there's speed everywhere. But when you can spell, you know, Morgan Fox and, and give him some time out and put a YGM in there or put a Marquise Haynes in there and, and just give different looks and different speed. I mean, third down, I mean, these quarterbacks are going to be under uh, a lot of pressure. I mean, Burns' spin move is, is one of the tops in the league, if not the, the tops. I mean, there's just – and if with improvement that Derek Brown made, I mean, he's looked impressive, you know, especially the other night. Stopping the run. I mean, just, you know, demanding the double team. I mean, it's, I'm not worried and nobody should be worried about this defensive line. Uh, Linebacker is definitely going to be our thinnest position on defense, but I don't know. Um, Frankie Lou has been a nice surprise. I mean, especially for, for me. So I, I, I don't know what happens with Christian Miller. Uh, I don't know if the plan is to keep him or if he ends up getting cut or, you know, who else, who else uh, potentially takes that roster spot. So we'll see how things shake out, but um that quote, we'll, we'll t- we can get into it, but that that quote from uh, from Rule doesn't doesn't sound. Uh, it sounds like a just. It sounds like that kiss of death quote that that you just hear every year from guys that that had a great camp and they took that step forward, but then you're saying that three four days before you cut them, and so it's a that's that's where I'm. I sent that in the group chat, and I was like, that's exactly what that sounds like to me, one hundred percent. Right. And he's been notorious for that kind of so far in his time mm-hmm. in, the, in the NFL. But, you know, the way I look at it, Christian Miller opted out last year. So this would only be his second actual season in, in the NFL. And I would like to keep him as a developmental piece because he has shown some flashes as a, as a pass rusher and getting to the quarterback. As an, and I would like to hold on to that and hope that he wins that fifth or sixth linebacker uh, spot. I mean, I don't, it's slipping off the top of my head right now who the number five is after Luvu, but you know, I, I would really like that for that to be him. Julian Stanford. Yeah. And I mean Stanford's played played well this this preseason um so far. I mean and then they get a decision to make on Josh Bynes too, whether they keep him. I know he had a hundred tackles last year as well. It's um it's gonna be interesting to see what happens by four PM on Tuesday when they have to get down to the fifty three man. No. But I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about JC and and how well he looked. Uh, I know Taylor Zars are on the uh, on the broadcast. Him and Steve were talking about got the seatbelt on, um, saying that uh, he's he had Claypool strapped. But it was nice to see that that pass break up. They tried to target him early, and and he you know made a nice play, and even got a little physical after after the play and pushed Claypool to the sideline. And that's you know that's things you're going to see all year long. And we've talked about that since the draft process is that he's going to play with that attitude and be physical. And nobody's going to push him around. And I mean, just the fact that he can go ahead and do that, especially with you know the receiver that Claypool is in the, in the season that he had last year in that great rookie wide receiver class, um, the sky's the limit on a guy like JC. And he's going to bring so much of this defense that we've been missing since uh, you know James Bradbury left, since Josh Norman and, and Chris Gamble were here. Um, I just man, it's 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 exciting. Yeah, and. And I mean, my comment that I wrote here, JC is the real deal. And we saw it. We saw exactly what we wanted to see. He's going to get those pass breakups. He's long. He's physical. He's quick. He's what we've been missing in the secondary 
for a long time. But another thing that I wanted to talk about with JC is just what that, now I think I've mentioned it before and we have talked about it, what it really does for Dante. It allows Dante to not have the pressure of being the main guy. It allows him to focus on that tackling, to focus on not having the lockdown chase Claypool, the number one guy and, and be the man. And, 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 and Dante is such an interesting character and, and personality. And when you can, when he gets that confidence, I think he's, he's such a better player, but having to try and lock down that number one and not being able to do so play in and play out is, is interest is, is detrimental to a guy with that style of play and that uh, ego, I think. So I, I think it does just num- wonders for Dante being across from a guy like JT, JC. Yeah, Dante's more suited to match up with a number two receiver. I mean, let's be honest, Dante has all the physical tools and physical gifts in the world. I mean, he runs like a 4-2-9-40, so he can keep up with anybody in the National Football League. But the thing that kind of has kind of hurt Dante in the past is that Dante relies too much on his physical gifts from time to time, you know, and, and not as much on technique. And Dante's a smaller guy, so he's he's kind of had to go up against a Julio Jones or a Michael Thomas and you know, he's held his own for the most part, but there's also been some times where Dante's looked really, really bad. I mean, he'll, you know, make it a, a great interception and then he'll make a bonehead play the, the next series. And it's just kind of been frustrating getting the Jekyll and Hyde version of him and his tackling, you know, it's, it's, it's been an issue. You know, he, he's failed to you know, wrap guys up. So I think in having JC come in there and these guys compete every day in practice and him to have somebody who, you know, is what will talk with him and bring that attitude with and kind of push him to be better. And and let's talk about this. I mean, Dante, this is a, a big year for him. You know, he's, he's in a contract year, so he has to make a jump and has to make a leap because even if we don't necessarily agree to a deal with him, he, he's, he's got to put some good film on tape to get a, a contract that he likes and get paid uh, next year. So but I think, uh, man, I couldn't be happier with what I saw out of him and JC this past week. Having two reliable cornerbacks is something that we have not had, man, in, in years. So that's a relief, and that's going to change this defense overall. I think if you look at it on paper, linebackers probably are our weakest group right now. I mean, you got you, Jermaine Carter is going to get his first season with actual playing time. He's going to be a starter. He won that middle linebacker job, and he has looked great this preseason. I mean, so much so that they decided that we didn't need Denzel Perryman anymore. You know, Frankie Lulu's looked good. Shaq's, you know, we've been pretty harsh on Shaq and the contract that he's got because Marty Herney chose him over James Bradbury. I mean, Shaq's really never stood out, especially, but it's tough. It's tough to, you know, fill the shoes of a Luke Keekley or a Thomas Davis. And he was been kind of that third guy. And now the pressure's on him as that vet. And I don't know. I I'm hoping having somebody like a Hassan Reddick back there with him helps him grow a little bit more as a player too. But just overall, I, I think maybe linebacker might be our, our, I guess our uh, weakest position on defense. Our O-line maybe. of the defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, I, it, and it's not that bad. It's not as bad as that. But no, it's not. I think there's just a lot of question marks on it, and not necessarily bad question marks. I mean, I, I think that I have high, high expectations for that group as well, and I want to see what uh, Jermaine Carter can do. with It's a job. talented group. I think yeah. it's just not a deep group. There's not, there's not a backup plan. Um, I, I, Luvu is really the only backup plan. You don't want to be relying on Julian Stanford to get significant reps this year. 
Luvu is your one guy that that you you'd like for him to get some reps, but you need your Shaq Carter Reddick trio to be healthy. Yeah, and I think I guess what I'm trying to say is that's the one group that I I don't think we can afford an injury yet because if an injury happens and uh, run defense suffers and, and the run defense is uh, much improved this preseason so far. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's Jermaine being is, is the big key to that. So that's yeah. the one, uh, I mean, Shaq and, and Hassan are going to be big in, in the past game. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Bye. We'll touch on this last part before we get into our 53 man projection, but we did make a, a roster move this week, and this is something we've been talking about for a while, but Ryan Santoso of the uh, New York Giants was traded here for uh, a conditional seventh-round pick, so we'll see how he does moving forward. But looking at this game, I mean, Rule didn't waste any time. He put him out there for that 53-yarder. 52. 52-yarder, and, I mean, he hit the upright, and it luckily bounced his way. But the extra points looked good. Uh, he, I mean, he looked solid, solid enough that Joey Sly was cut Saturday morning. I mean, Joey had a chance this game, missed the field goal. They gave him the first chance. Yeah. Missed it. So, I mean, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know this is something that we've been talking about. So you shouldn't be surprised that with the struggles, I mean, he just was in his own head. I mean, it's a guy who, you know, has made some long kicks and kicked the ball a mile, but accuracy has always been an issue since he was brought in. And it unfortunately, it's his downfall. And this is what happens. I mean, he had a few bad couple weeks and just couldn't shake the rust. And the you know, Scott Fitter said, all right, we're going to bring in some competition. And he folded in the competition. I mean, when we brought in Eberly this week during practice, I went 0 for 3. Just things that you cannot do, you know, when you haven't proved yourself and you don't have that roster stability. So. Couldn't agree more. They, they did the right thing, though. They cut him early. They're going to try to let him catch on with another team, you know, prior to cuts or, you know, during cuts this week. So interesting to see. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up bringing in another kicker, potentially. I mean, looks like they'll have stability with Santoso. Um, it's his job until it's not anymore. But I would like to have somebody at least on maybe the practice squad. I know there's going to be a lot of cuts happening this week, so we'll see what how that shakes out. There's a really muscular guy um, that just got cut Saturday that, that might – might be uh, looking for a practice squad job. <laughs> <laughs> not on, not on this team. Uh, he he can, he can, he can go arm wrestle at the county fair. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's what what would you, what would your reaction be if they brought him back? If nobody, if he, if he goes unclaimed on waivers and, and on Tuesday afternoon, they add him to the practice squad. That's a, that's a Marty Herney move. That's what that is. That's a loyalty move. No, let him, let him go kick somewhere in like Houston. I know Fairbairn had a, dealt with an injury they had justin reed doing kickoff duties last night or that no, was funny uh, that was just, funny i'm good man best of luck to him wherever he lands but it's, it's not going to be here at least i hope not i know one thing that we've you mentioned on last week's episode is that it looks like jj jansen's going to end up winning this long snapper job unless something happens and that makes the thomas fletcher pick even more confusing yeah and it i want to say it's a fit it's the one thing that I'm upset with fit about from the draft and, and things that he's done so far, but I'm not even sure that he got to make that decision after if you, if you watch Panthers confidential, That's I think, boy. I think they gave that pick to rule, um, which is funny because at the end of the day, rule rule decides who's going to be the starter here and, and he's going to end up having to run with 
JJ, his veteran. Uh, we can talk about it a little bit more in the 53-man discussion, but Person did say in his 53-man preview that he wouldn't surprise him to see them try and get have both JJ and um, Fletcher on the roster through 53 man to try and, or before the 53 man cut either, or some, it wouldn't be surprising if they tried to move him for a sixth round pick next year, seventh round pick next year to get something back for him. So that was interesting um, to me, at least because if, if he's good enough to get that pick back, then he should win the job over JJ just, but at the end of the day, why make that pick? We knew kicker was, if we're going to draft a special teams player, if we did, if we were going to use a pick on a special teams player, there was an elite college kicker out there that, and kicker proved to be the problem we thought it was. I just, it doesn't compute for me, the decision-making there. And, and that's, that's where rule can be a great development guy. He can be a great coach. He can be your rah-rah, but I don't love how involved he is in some of the personnel decisions and I don't, you don't see the coaches getting to make that call around the league. And in year one, he got to make that call. And it resulted in Teddy Bridgewater getting a two-year, however much, two-year. Two years, no, excuse me, three-year, 63 million, if my memory is correct. Right. On what so 20, 20 million per year deal is that when, when you let him make a personnel decision. And now it resulted in a wasted six-round pick. So – it's a six round pick. Uh, you can tell me to not get upset about a six round pick, but we've seen what fit can do with picks. So it's, it's dumb. I just don't get how nobody else really caught on to that. This being an issue, like during the draft or even we could sign the undrafted guys. We didn't. And I, I get, you know, we had air, other areas that they wanted to kind of address, but you, you gave David Moore the lineman out of grambling. I mean, we gave him guaranteed money and then we cut him, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's was... that's who we prioritized as our undrafted free agent as opposed to going after Jose. And don't get – we were high on David Moore. Yeah. I just – our our offensive line room's a little crowded with paying guys like Irving, Elfline, uh, and, and having veterans like Scott. So it – and Daly too. It, it didn't make a ton of sense to have him stick around, but he's somebody with a lot of potential and and – but to, to, to make him your priority free agent, like that was the one guy that they prioritized after the draft and yeah. to make him the one guy and cut him halfway through the summer. Just what are you doing? He had a long list of suitors too. After we cut him, I know there was four teams, I think that put a waiver wire claim in on him. And I mean, he ended up going to the jets, but I think when you're going into the draft, or at least you're evaluating your roster, anybody who's not, you know, a guaranteed starter or isn't, I mean, isn't producing every single week and you have question marks about him. Why not try to fill that when you have a chance to get somebody on a cheap deal, especially like a kicker? I mean, it's not something where you're going to break the bank to pay for it. And you could have brought in an undrafted guy on a cheap deal and he could have beat out that um, sly. I mean, nobody should be surprised that he continued to struggle. I mean, the struggles have been there constantly. You know, they just, because he can kick the ball 65 yards you know, and, he, and he missed. I mean, that's what that's that's the difference between going five and now twelve versus you know seven and eight. I mean, especially with all the one score games that we were in last year. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they finally made a decision. I hope that Santoso is good. I hope that, that he's consistent. He, he seems like he has a pretty decent leg with that 52 yarder. It wasn't going to be short by any means. So, you know, as long as he's accurate, I'll be happy with that and paying up, you know, with the seventh round pick, if he's on the roster after the second game of the season, you know, we give up a seventh to New York, which is basically the, the draft pick that we got in return for Greg Little. So it's a wash. But at the same point in time, could we have done better? Yeah. Could we have addressed this and prepared better? Yeah. Could we have given him more competition earlier on? Definitely. So that's our, that's my that's my rant on the kicking. All right, shifting gears a little bit, let's dive into the 53-man. Um, one of note is that um, Shai Smith probably going to open up the season on the IR. He was hurt during the Steelers game. The only real injury of note for us, it seems like it's a shoulder issue. Not sure how serious. The MRI hasn't, uh, hasn't came out yet to say exactly what the injury is. If I had to guess, probably a shoulder separation. I'm hoping nothing like a broken clavicle or anything like that, so... We'll see what the news is on that, but likely um, Shai Smith is going to open up the season on the injury reserve. He was uh, he was likely going to be that sixth receiver too. Yeah, yeah. Before and, that, and play a, a nice part in the return game as well, whether it be punt returner, which seems like it's going to go to David Moore. Um, so he probably could have gotten some time on the kickoff returns as well. I think the big thing when you're starting off with the with the 53 men and how you're looking at how things might shake out, will they keep three quarterbacks? Will Smith had a pretty. I mean, excuse me. Whew. Will Greer had a, a pretty good uh, preseason. I mean, he even went, I think, five for seven with a rushing touchdown against the Steelers and a pretty impressive touchdown run. Um, PJ, five for 10. Uh, we've talked about it. Some They've looked good with the twos. They haven't looked good with the threes. But then again, they're the threes for the reason. But does this team really want to carry three quarterbacks? So I think PJ's locked his roster spot up. But. I I think so. I think I think it's Sam and PJ one two. I I think it's I think they move on from Will and hope. I mean they they may hope he makes it through waivers. I don't think he does. No, this year. Um, so I think you're looking at Sam and PJ, and that's he, your your QB room. He's put some good film on tape with some of the throws he's made last week's game against Baltimore, him showcasing his athletic ability with that 30-yard touchdown run this past week. So I, I definitely think somebody would claim him. I mean, he's not – he's better than some of the quarterbacks that are third stringers in this league. I mean, he's, hell, he's better than some of the backups that are out there. Will will make a roster somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one we noted was – we talked about before we started recording was Davis Mills in, in Houston is a backup quarterback right now. Moving on a little bit to running back, obviously you got CMC, Chuba, um, Trent and Cannon. They like they're high on him. Trent and Cannon's probably going to open the season handling some of the kickoff return duties with uh, David Moore or a Chuba Hubbard. Um, Giovanni Ricci has shifted from tight end to fullback. Then you're going to be looking at Rodney Smith or Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown led the uh, team in rushing this past week and looked pretty good. I mean, he's out of UAB. Rodney Smith has been hurt and Reggie Bonifon has been hurt. But we haven't seen much of them. What do you think, Wes? Does, does Rodney sneak in, or do they roll oh, with Spencer? Or what do you think? I would have said Spencer Brown um, after the Pittsburgh performance. I think that would, to me, that would have solidified him if they were going to keep five running backs. That he would have make it. Honestly, if it were me, I probably wouldn't keep five running backs with with CMC, Chuba, Cannon, and I would probably run just with those three and and Richie as your fullback. 
Uh, and I, I don't see Spencer Brown or, or Rodney Smith being a problem to clear waivers and, and just stashing one or both on the practice squad. But if they do keep five, I would have said it would have been Spencer uh, with, with Rodney losing out. But person did, did in his prediction article said Rodney. So sadly, I, I would hate that Reggie's been hurt this preseason because we've seen what Reggie can do when he gets an opportunity. And I don't necessarily think that he would be somebody who would go unclaimed on waivers if we released him, if he was fully healthy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and when you get to those guys and like the three and fourth on your depth chart, you're just looking for versatility. Some guys that can play special teams. That's re- that's really all you're, you're wanting out of those guys and they can be your emergency running back. But, you know, I, I hate that um, Spencer didn't impress and he's a, more of a bigger back than Rodney is. Rodney showed that he had some flashes last year when CMC went, went down, when Mike Davis was hurt. I know the staff's high on him. He, 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 he might squeak, squeak on, but he's not somebody who I, I necessarily would would choose over a couple of these other guys. What are your thoughts on, on five running backs, including Richie? Richie's just going to, I mean, he saw and the staff saw that that was his way of making the roster, switching from tight end to, to fullback. I mean, he's he pretty much locked up his spot just with that versatility. It seemed like they don't have any plans to use Trimble in that role, at least not right away. And I don't really understand that necessarily because, I mean, we saw what he can do in college, you know, playing that H-back position. We've seen what he can do in preseason with a couple of the blocks. I don't know. Um, I don't think I would necessarily carry five. I would carry – they're keeping Cannon because they, they line Cannon up a lot out of the slot in practices in the preseason when they're in training camp, and we just haven't been able to see that when it comes to preseason. I think his versatility is what helps him. I think if Reggie was healthy, then he might get that spot instead of Trenton. Uh, five is just – I don't know, man. I'm just with at with this. some of the the decisions we're going to have to make later. Well, the the, the, would, the discussions we're going to have later. I just don't see keeping Rodney and and Spencer would both clear waivers pretty easily. Yeah, I would. You, I would keep four. Yeah, yeah, I would keep three running backs and, and a fullback. If yeah. I was doing it, that I mean you can get one special teams out of you can get a special teams player out of out of one of those guys, and a pass catcher. I guess if you wanted to move Cannon out there. I'd be fine with, I guess, CMC, Chupa, Cannon, and Ricci. Yeah, but person did predict five, so uh, that, that's kind of how I wrote this section up. Um, I'd pick Spencer. He picked Rodney, so we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to wide receiver, nobody should be really surprised at the names that we're talking about here. DJ, Robbie, Terrace, and David Moore are all locks to make this roster. Then you're looking at Shy Smith, just probably going to go on the IR, so he won't count toward that 53. Brandon Zilstra, Omar Bayless, Keith Kirkwood. Keith Kirkwood had a nice special teams play on that fumble recovery on the punt return, uh, but he's been hurt the majority of the preseason until that, or excuse me, until this past week with the the hit from JT eBay. Uh, after Omar Bayless's big uh, opening to camp, he, he's kind of got quiet, hasn't really done much, hasn't really had much of an opportunity, to be honest. Um and same goes for Brandon Zilstra. I mean, really has nothing that's really, you know, popped in my mind. Zilstra's, you know, had some tenure here for a while. The staff seems to like him. I know Kirkwood was brought in because another Temple guy had a connection with uh, Teddy um, from their time down in New Orleans. I don't know. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd probably say it's Zilstra, and they try to hope that Bayless sneaks through and they can put him back on practice squad uh, since he was hurt last year. Kirkwood, I don't know if they necessarily bring him back. And they maybe 
this could be something where they're monitoring the the market this week to see who's cut and maybe kind of see who they who they bring in. Yeah, so I think they'll start with keeping six plus shy on IR. The top four, obviously, and I think Zilstra is a lock at this point as well uh, for multiple reasons, and, and he can be a, a special teams guy too. Um, I, I agree with you that Bayless probably they try and see if he slips through and he'll be your practice squad receiver. And then I think that six spot will go to Kirkwood unless and, – and then they will monitor the uh, the cuts and see if there's somebody that they want to bring in over Kirkwood. I think that's kind of how that receiver room shakes out. I don't think we're ever really going to see five receivers on or any five wide sets, at, at least as far as receivers go. I mean, they could move somebody like, you know, CMC out into the slot and they could, you know, roll it that way. But I don't necessarily see – I, I guess just for depth purposes, they could keep six. But shy on IR, I think it's shy on IR plus one more, so it technically be five. So I, I think that's probably safe, like you said. So we'll see. I think I think the 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 reasoning behind keeping a sixth is, is Zilstra is going to be. I think Zilstra is going to get some special teams time too. So you can you can yeah. you can justify keeping another one because he has he has been solid on, on special teams I, w- I will say that just uh, tight end is where where things are gonna get interesting um dan arnold's making it ian thomas is making it tommy trimble's making it we talked about Ricci making the move to fullbacks to kind of help secure his roster spot and then you have colin thompson and we saw last week where colin thompson was playing in the backfield we had the discussion with Corey about you know, why he was there and giving him an opportunity to showcase that he can make the team or seeing what you have in him. I don't see a chance or excuse me, I don't see a need to keep him when you have somebody like Ricci who could move to an emergency tight end if you got in that situation. But having Tommy Tramble drafting him in the third round, which we did, and he's going to open up the season likely as a third, third string tight end for this team. Why would you keep Colin Thompson? There's no need. And, and, again, there's some decisions we're going to have to make at O-line, D-line, and then in the secondary that we need these, we, we need these roster spots and keeping Colin Thompson on the 53 man roster just doesn't make any sense. Uh, you hit like Ricci is essentially your fullback slash tight end. So he is your number one fullback and can be your fourth string tight end. If you want to have a four string tight end, why you want to have one on the 53 man? I, I don't know, but with, with Arnold, Ian and Trimble, you've got, you've got your three tight ends. That's what, that's all you need there. And then a uh, person had Colin. I wouldn't have even considered putting Colin on my 53 man roster, but that's person had him making the 53 man roster. And I was just like, okay. Um, yeah. Sure. That's surprising. I, I still, even since I've had time to think about it since reading the article today, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And he's still sitting here. It, it doesn't. There's other positions of need, especially when you're talking about do you keep a Colin Thompson or do you keep a Kenny Robinson? Or a Christian Miller. Christian Miller, Will Greer. These are uh, guys. Sam I mean, Tecklenburg, because uh, uh, the offensive line is in bad shape. Right. Colin Thompson's not going to get claimed by anybody. Let's be yep. honest. I mean, so so you're looking at, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about, I mean, Will, Will's going to get claimed, but but guys like Rodney, guys like Spencer, guys like Omar Bayless, guys like Colin Thompson, those are your practice squad guys that if you like them and see potential there, just they're not going to go claim. That's only four of your, what, 11 or 12? How many, how many are on the practice squad now? 12? Yeah. 12? So that's four of your 12. I don't, 
you don't need to protect Colin Thompson from waivers. No, you, and it's it's eating up a roster spot of a guy who's not going to get any burn on the field. And, you and, could... and it's eating up a roster spot of somebody who would go claimed. Right. Uh, these other guys that we're about to talk start talking about, they're going to go claimed if they get cut. Yeah. Let's move on to the offensive line. This is what we talked about, how crowded the room is. There's going to be some cuts here. Moten, Irving, Elfline, Miller, Paradis, Daly, Brady Christensen, uh, Trent Scott, Deontay Brown. They're all locks. Nothing's, That's nine. Nothing's changing there. There's nine. Those are probably what you can expect to roll with. Um, there's a lot of just all across the board, a lot of guys that are packed into the same level. And you, we can't really sacrifice any, any of those guys and let them go. So Sam Tecklenburg could be the odd man out, like you said. If an emergency situation arose, it looked like Pat Elfline would move into center if something happened to Paradis. I mean, Paradis didn't look great this past week. So would you keep Tecklenburg over one of the names that we've mentioned? You, you know, these are these are things that we're going to have to start worrying about here in the next 48 hours. Yep. And if it were me, I'd keep Te- Tecklenburg over Colin Thompson in a heartbeat just to get more looks at, at what – what the best five that we can get out there is. And, and I'm not saying that Sam Tecklenburg is in that best five, but with as bad as Elfline and, and Paradis have looked, those are your two centers. Yeah. One of them has to start. I, I just don't, I'm as, I'm more worried than I ever have been about this offensive line. And I've been worried about them all off season. That's saying a lot. I mean, Tecklenburg yep. is the guy who, he, I mean, he has the Baylor ties to rule. Um, I mean, he, he's looked pretty well. And, uh, I mean, when he's gotten reps this season, he hasn't really gotten beat or, you know, looked poor, looked like he can't play. And, and I mean, something to be said about who's going against, he's in, he's in at the end of game. So that's that's worth noting as well. But I'd, I'd rather have that extended look. We know what Colin Thompson is. Colin Thompson is not going to get – meaningful snaps for this offense and if he does we're in trouble yeah even you know going back to the Colts game he was in with the with the second stringers I'll say when PJ was was back there and he was going against the Colts second stringers but he looked he looked serviceable didn't look anything worse than what we have what we're rolling out there but yeah definitely we keep him over Colin Thompson and I'd keep him over probably Rodney and Spencer too yep if we're talking about it and um Honestly, probably Bayless at this point. Yeah, because just because I think Omar can be found on the practice squad. Yeah. Moving over to the defensive side of the ball, defensive line, you're looking at Burns, uh, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones, Morgan Fox, uh, Etor Gross-Matos, Davion Nixon, uh, Bravion Roy, Marquise Haynes. Then you got some questions. Do they keep seventh rounder Phil Hoskins, who looks pretty good so far in preseason? Uh, he had that sack um, where the YGM recovered the fumble. Uh, against the Steelers this past week. Phil got pressure against the Ravens. I mean, so he's he's done some good things so far this year. And then you got Christian Miller. And that's where some tough decisions are going to start being made. Christian Miller's gotten pressure on the quarterback this year, or excuse me, this preseason. I mean, he's looked good at times, and he looked good in his rookie year. I mean, he opted out last year due to family reasons with COVID, but I, that's not a guy that you just cut for no reason. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, he can play, he can play in this league. Yeah. And so there's, there's eight for sure guys that are going to, that, that you're just not cutting at this point. And those are the ones you mentioned before Hoskins and Miller um, Hoskins and Miller 
whichever if you cut either they're getting claimed it's not a it's not an if or when it's it's a when they're getting claimed it's that's going to happen so i personally uh, when we're talking about whether we carry a sixth receiver or a fifth running back i'd rather or the fourth tight end those are the, these are the two spots i want to see it used I'd, I'd rather see it be tecklenburg and i'd rather see it be keeping both hoskins and miller and and having 10 on the offensive line and 10 on the defensive line to start uh, especially with the defensive line being what we're basically basing how strong that defense is going to be off of like the, the, the pressure and the fresh legs. And I mean, I'd love to be able to, to, to get Miller five to 10 snaps a game of just all out going after the quarterback, you know, just yeah. things like that with, if you can keep these guys fresh, that, that if, if you can, Burns doesn't have to go all out every single pass rush play. If, if you can bring in guys like, like Christian Miller off the bench for to spell him every now and then. I may be in the minority, but I would rather keep a Phil Hoskins or Christian Miller over Brady on Roy. I would as well, but based on the way that person was writing his article, he wrote it in order of this this guy is getting kept. Like so, like so for quarterbacks, it was Sam, then PJ, and then and running backs, it was CMC, Chuba, then Cannon, then Ricci. And for receivers, it was DJ, Robbie, Terrace, David, Zilstra. He wrote everything in order of importance, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he wrote um, defensive line as Burns, Brown, Daquan, Fox, YGM, Nixon, Roy, and Haynes. So to me, it wouldn't even be the, there would, that wouldn't even be the, the next guy off if they well, were to do it and well it, you're not letting marquise haynes go anywhere no that's, right. that's that that's what i'm saying it's like they how how is haynes above above bravion in that because bravion didn't look good no and davion's look better than him and mm-hmm. obviously that person's thinking's the same way and 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 uh, as far as snaps and where they're gonna play goes they're i mean they're they're gonna they're like davion's gonna take the snaps that bravion would have gotten unless they like Bravion more just in, in run situations as a backup, which I get, I mean, that's kind of his strong suit is to be the run stopper, but I mean, his tape last year didn't look that great. And he hasn't really stood out to me so far in preseason. I mean, Hoskins at least has done a, a few things that have caught my eye yeah, as so, a rookie. I mean, seventh round pick. Yep. I I don't want to see Hoskins or Miller not make the team. I, I'd rather, if, if you're going to only keep non-defensive linemen, I agree with you. I would cut Bravion, but that's not, I, that doesn't seem to be the case of what's going to happen. Tough decisions coming. Shifting over to the linebacker, Shaq, Jermaine Carter, Hassan Reddick. Those are your starters, not going anywhere. Frankie Louvu had a great preseason, not going anywhere. Julian Stanford has done some good things. Um, on, he has some good film out there. So that would mean cutting a, a Josh Bynes. Uh, I know there's probably another one that I'm, I'm missing off the top of my head. I just don't have the roster in front of me. But – um. You know, I, I think linebacker is pretty cut and dry. We talked about it. There's not a lot of depth. This is somewhere we're keeping a Christian Miller, who linebacker is his position. But, I mean, he's used more as like an edge rusher. I think that that's where that could be beneficial, just having that versatility. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's really any debate on linebacker. I think that's your five. And yeah. um, Bynes will get picked up by someone coming off of a 100-tackle season. Right. But and I, He just doesn't fit into the plans. No. Um, and I think he was kind of brought in just because of the Denzel situation and, and Carter as well. I mean, these guys are banged up. 
So just kind of a little bit of a depth and a good chance for him to put some film out there and try to catch on somewhere else where it looks like. All right, last uh, last place here on the defense, the secondary. Um, so we will have to make a roster move when Boyer comes back after week two, after his um, two-game suspension. But you're looking at Dante, JC, Justin Burris, Jeremy Chin. Those are no-brainers. Uh, Rashawn Melvin, Keith Taylor, Sean Chandler, Sam Franklin, Miles Hartsfield, who had a good game Friday night, and then A.J. Boyer. So that leaves us Stanley Thomas Oliver and Kenny Robinson. And we've talked about how we're high on Kenny, and he got banged up last week, um, likely going to be sidelined for a couple weeks, so he should be ready for the season opener. Stanley Thomas Oliver, uh, I mean, hasn't really done too much in my mind to – I would have him below Kenny. Uh, yeah, and it, I think it's worth noting whichever one of the two of, of Thomas Oliver or Robinson get the job may be the one that's heads on the chopping block when when Bouye comes back in week three. Yeah, so that that is definitely worth noting. Um, I would have said Kenny because I think Kenny looked really good against Indy, like yeah, really good, impressive. And um, but person did say Stanley Thomas Stanley Thomas Oliver, and he said relatively easy cut of Robinson because the injury took him out of of that contention. And, and I don't quite get that, but it is what it is. Uh, and in his, in his article in each for each position, he put like, what, what is the toughest piece of, of, of this decision. And for, for secondary, he said there really wasn't one. It was an easy decision after the Robinson injury. Mm. So that doesn't, I don't quite agree with the film that, that, that Kenny was able to put out there. Um, and against Indy, unless there's things that have happened in practice behind the scenes that we've, um, and, and, and week three in dirt, the practices leading up to week three, I feel like there was less, uh, less media coverage and what was going on in practice that week for whatever reason, or I just didn't see it. So maybe something happened outside of the injury with him that, that I'm not aware of, but I would have, I would have picked Kenny over STO. Yeah. Kenny's a guy who has had kind of a unique journey. I mean, he's, he's battled. Yeah. He played at West Virginia. He left. Um, after his sophomore year and went and played a year in the XFL before entering the NFL draft. I mean, we took him in, I believe, the fifth round. Um, had a bad, bad um, opening preseason his rookie year, so much so that they, they we cut him and signed him back to the practice squad. And then he ended up getting some some reps at the end of last year. But uh, he, he's much improved uh, of the player that he was when we first drafted him. So I, I've, I'm high on the improvements that he's made. Uh, he's looked good on tape. Um, we talked about how our initial concern was safety depth, but now with the play of, you know, Sean Chandler and, and Miles Hartsfield, even this past week, uh, it looks like that's really not necessarily a concern and the pressure is going to be on Justin Burris to perform well um, in the opening week and carry that play over week to week. I don't know. It's that's kind of where my eyes are going to be on the Kenny Robinson situation on the Christian Miller situation, Phil Hoskins. Those are those are the ones that I'm going to be following. If a Colin Thompson makes this team one of those guys, that's not going to make it, unfortunately. So, and if Will Greer makes it, then one of those guys is not going to make it. I can stomach Will. Yeah, I can't I can. stomach. I can't stomach keeping a fifth running back and keeping Colin Thompson as your fourth tight end with Ricci um, and and decisions like that. Making guys like Phil Hoskins or Christian Miller or Kenny Robinson not make this roster. If, if you do it for a guy like Will, because for, for whatever reason, upside quarterback, 
you know, he's going to get claimed, et cetera. Okay. But don't, don't tell me that you're keeping Colin Thompson and then turn around and cut Christian Miller. It's just, I'm just not going to be okay with that. No. So close it out here. These are pretty cut and dry special teams. Joseph Charleston is going to win the punting job. There's no, no competition there. Charlton's going to be your hunter. Santoso, at least to open the season, is going to be the starting kicker. And J.J. Jansen, as of now, like we just talked about, is going to be your starting long snapper. So either Thomas Fletcher will make this roster and they'll try to sneak him on and then maybe move him or they'll cut him and try to sign him back to the practice squad. Um, Which he won't, he won't make it back to the practice squad. But Not if he's as good as people say as far as his potential goes. I know he's had a rough camp, but – I mean, JJ's just been a solid guy for years. I mean, he's been here since John Fox. He's the best long snapper in the league still, has been for several years. Fletcher was supposed to be thought of as the um, successor to him, and as soon as he became a starting long snapper, he'd be the best in the league as well. We'll see how this shakes out. I don't know. We've got we've got some interesting decisions to make before 4 o'clock on Tuesday. So any closing thoughts, Wes, before we wrap this one up? Just my weekly, like, you can hop on the terrace bandwagon now or you can be wrong, either or. I mean, so. this, this train's not stopping <laughs> at this point. Um, 6-3, 2-30, coming at you out of the slot. I don't really know how you stop it. The guy just keeps on producing. If you're in a fantasy league and you see what Curtis Samuel did last year, you might as well pick up Terrace Marshall when you get past the 10th round. Yeah, and, and what, what I love is seeing some of these guys talking about talking about him and, and nationally or not even nationally, just in, in the Panthers world and, and the, the smoke that they're, they're, they're just they're They love Terrace now. Well, we've loved Terrace for two months. So join, join us. While Jamar Chase is, continues to struggle, Terrace's stock just keeps on rising. I know before he got on here, Jamar had a nice uh, drop. God, that was ugly. On Burrow's opening series, or his only series, I should say. But Jamar Chase has had a rough, rough preseason, and Terrace's stock just keeps on climbing. So hop on now before it's too late. So that'll wrap up this uh, week's episode, guys. Um, we are now two weeks away from this recording from the season opener uh, against the New York Jets, so we'll have a lot of content coming here soon. We'll be previewing the season opener. Um, yeah, we'll preview the NFL season. A lot of stuff coming, so – as always, appreciate you guys listening to us. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple or Spotify or one of the other random ones out there. So we'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs>